0: Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? Witchbuster
1: extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds
0: pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show, college football. Really begins tonight, Wolf. How's it going over there?
1: Man, I'm doing well right now. feel a little odd right now, Basin Onions, because I am not wearing the cap, and the cap is not on, and that means it is not pulled low over the brow. Um, I feel a little, I don't know, like the emperor's clothes. That kind of broadcast, if you know what I'm talking about, but... And we do have some college football, and I'm excited about that. I really am. It, it gets started tonight. A-S-U-N-A-U at Sun
0: Devil Here we go, baby. I've talked myself into six or seven wins. Okay. And I, I will explain later on in the show. All right, I, 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 I talked myself. I, I feel so like a big. We're, we're
1: actually going to be talking some Sun Devils football. Got some is Sun that Devils what football we're gonna coming up the, in about seven okay. minutes. So we're
0: going to talk to Chris Cartman later on too. We got we got a lot of ASU on the uh, on the schedule today. Let's get it, shall we, boys? Uh, I got some D backs as well. Certainly after whatever happened last night, Lorenzo Alexander is going to join us in hour number two of the show. We've Got some good stuff to talk about with him. College football expansion, but I tell you what, Wolf, we are going to start with the Cardinals. In a theme that I know you are embracing for the Phoenix Suns, Uh, they are the Cardinals flying under the radar. Now, for me, I think it's more ridiculous that the Suns are flying under the radar, having just been to the finals and having just won 64 games within the last two years. But I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for the Cardinals, even if it's where they, quote, should be, unquote, right now. I
1: could not agree with you anymore. Um, listen, the Cardinals, they, they are getting zero respect from the football universe for the most part. They are. They're getting zero respect for a team that won five and then eight and then 11. Um, for the most part, there are organizations that are out there. There are, there are powers that be out there right now who look at the Arizona Cardinals and do not see a team to be respected. And I love that. Well,
0: so I'm looking at the, uh, the, the this is just CBS's 2022 preseason all-NFL team. Okay, so they went through. Okay, everybody made their cutdowns to a 53-man roster. They did their own 53-man roster, the best players at every position. Okay. Oh, okay. And they went through, and they you know they have three quarterbacks. They only kept three running backs, not five like the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, let's see. They kept six receivers. Okay, so that means it's a full roster, not one Arizona Cardinal on the team. Okay. Um, you had something, too, looking at at, uh, at preseason awards not one single Cardinal out there. And again, I'm not even saying that this is wrong. I understand the way last season ended. I'm just saying this might be good for the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, listen, it can be good. It all depends on the leadership inside that locker room and how they adopt this. Um, I clearly, right now, the football universe, once again, doesn't respect Steve Keim getting an extension. They don't, they don't respect Cliff Kingsbury getting an extension. I've seen Kyler, Cliff on the
0: hot seat. Exa-
1: exa- do you believe that? He I mean, for 74 more years. Kyler Murray getting a massive extension. They don't respect that. What they did in 2021 or what they did in the offseason, there, there is zero respect whatsoever for the talent level on this team. They, they think Chandler Jones was the only guy playing defense last year. I mean, they look at this team right now and think the offensive line stinks. And they might be right, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the thing I love the most about it. Hey, guys, this is a this is the ultimate meritocracy. What do you say you go out and prove it? I go, man, I, I don't know. Isn't that the way it should be? Isn't every professional athlete trying to do that at some point in time? Prove the fact, it's the that essence he's of better. sports.
0: That's the whole. That's how it's, sports started. What's
1: supposed to be? It's supposed to be that, and that's why I love it. Yeah, put my back to the wall, man, and here we go because it's the ultimate meritocracy. You've got to prove that they're wrong,
0: or prove that you're right. I've You've got certainly some questions about the cardinals most of them on the defense they are questions though that when i say questions i don't mean they've already been answered in my mind and they're going to be bad i just have questions so i understand why they're not getting like super bowl buzz it's fine i get all that but every time they're doing these like these preseason awards and or like a preseason all roster all nfl roster like this stuff that ultimately doesn't mean anything but i find it almost refreshing to not see any cardinals on at wolf because i think they need something like that i shouldn't say need but i would i would I wouldn't feel great if it was like, hey, the Cardinals are picked to win the NFC West and they're going to win the Super Bowl. And they were getting all that outside expectations as well. I'm fine by them just being driven by internal expectations because I feel like that's what we saw the first half of last season. And then when we saw the external expectations heaped on them in the second half, it didn't go so well.
1: Luke, I hope that every team they play thinks the Arizona Cardinals are grid candy. I I, seriously, I hope every team they play, we're going to go out there, we're going to whip these. Seriously, I hope every team they play feels that way right now. And, And I hope the Arizona Cardinals take this pretty boy football notion that is still out there. And oh, by the way, alive and well. Even though, once again, going into December of last year, the Arizona Cardinals were the number five Run Rate team in the National Football League. They finished in the top third in run rate. But <laughs> they dropped over the last month or 6 weeks of the season. Everything
0: dropped they over the last month dropped or 6 weeks
1: dramatically. Of the but going into December they were They were number 5. Something happened. They got away from who they were. And that's something that Cliff Kingsbury
0: Cannot allow to happen again well, this year. That's something Cliff talked about yesterday. Yeah, we
1: definitely had some things philosophically that that um, we felt like we could be better at um, last year, even when we you know were, were undefeated. I think um, with the skill that we now have, when you look at tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, luckily we have a little bit more depth, and if somebody gets hurt, people can step in. But yeah, there's th- some things philosophically that we're going to try to be better at, and. Um, you know, not depend solely on just one one receiver to set everything up.
0: I, I don't remember a year with the Cardinals. Maybe there. Maybe I just don't remember anything before like yesterday with the way this week has gone. But I don't remember a year where it was so feel really good about the offense. And I don't know what to expect from the defense. You know, you have years where you're like, okay, I don't know what to expect from this team. They don't have it. Or you know, there's like 2015 where you're like, okay, this this team. 2016, maybe they go all the way after after getting to the NFC Championship in 2015. This year, it's like. That offense, he just said it. They got depth, too. So nobody's injury-proof, but they could at least withstand it a little bit. The problem is they're already having to withstand it on offense. Defense, it's like they might be really good. I don't know yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they might. You know what? Honestly, right now, just listening to one receiver setting everything up right there at the end of that cut, that, to me, Luke, that that is obviously a reference to whom? D-Hop. DeAndre Hopkins. And what DeAndre Hopkins did. For This team and then all of a sudden we all know how they really missed DeAndre Hopkins the last half of the season. And now going into this season again, the first six games, he's not going to be there. He's going to be suspended. So how do you do that? How do you actually make sure that one receiver is not dictating whether your offense works or doesn't work? You know what you do? You line up and you run the ball. You run that you attack the line of scrimmage. And then you go ahead and use play action to throw the ball. That's what you do. That really is a massive help to a lot of your wide receivers in terms of getting open. Sounds so simple when you put it that way. Run the ball, play action off of running the ball. I just think I think you have to do it. And again, this is something that I think could benefit the Arizona Cardinals at the end of the season. Because as you're traveling on the road many, many times, if you happen to go to a cold-weather city, and again, you can look at the the schedule for the Arizona Cardinals and figure out what I'm talking about. But you've got to be able to go out and hold up in terms of running the ball and being physical. And this is something I think they got away from at the end of last year and they got to get back to.
0: Well, and and I think you sort of stumbled on something there, too. You know, Cliff's first year, you're going from three wins. Anything above three is, is improvement, right? You go three to five, you go five to eight, you go eight to 11. The improvement has been obvious in the sense that you could just point to the numbers each year this year I think it's gonna to have to you're gonna to have to look a little bit deeper how do they play without Deandre Hopkins you know what I mean how do they play in the second half of the season not super deep but those are the areas you're going to look for for improvement because they could absolutely win 11 games this year and have it be a better season than, yes. than what they had last year
1: yeah yeah you know and, and again prove it prove it you know what that that is something that every player every professional athlete should relish the opportunity to prove it. What is wrong with that? That's what, it, that's what sports, that's what competition is all about, is proving it, that you're better than the other guy. Man, this team needs to embrace that.
0: Bix Picks is back for the 2022 NFL season. Text PICK to six twenty six twenty to sign up to compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch television courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers, so text PICK to 620-620 to enter. We come back. ASU kicks off the season tonight against NAU. What can the Sun Devils get out of their opener, Wolf? I'm talking myself into some wins. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, a year ago at this time, I was looking for a double-digit win season from the Sun Devils. They finished eight and four. Man, I think we all were. Uh, they had the talent certainly to go ten and two or more. And really, if they don't take a lot of penalties in the two games against the Utah teams, uh, Utah and BYU, they maybe they do go ten and two or more. But either way, that was embarrassing. It wasn't. Those games were very frustrating. But they finished eight and four. Now this year, Wolf, um, a lot of people have them picked to win like three games, four games. I'm talking myself into 500 or better, at least. I I really think a lot of- Okay, that's
1: not what you said before the show. You were, you were dangerously close to saying- they might win seven. <laughs> well, that's,
0: that's better I than believe- five hundred. <laughs> five hundred or better. Six wins is five hundred. Okay, I thought you said five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or right. So
1: you're so you're saying
0: better. Okay. I, I can you, talk myself into six or seven wins. I really can. Okay. 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 You gonna follow me down this path? You know?
1: Can I watch them play? Can I watch them play tonight? It's not because how, it's honestly, how works. right now I I do believe that you can watch this team play tonight and. You can start putting some of the puzzle pieces together.
0: Well, that's kind of where I wanted to start here. What can you take from this game against NAU? Because on on the surface, it looks like the sort of game where if you win, well, you should have won. It's NAU. And if you lose, then everybody's just going to go into full-blown panic mode.
1: Can I just say tonight, I don't think for ASU it's what you do. It's how you do it. Focus on the how you do it. Right now when you play a team like NAU and I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all, okay? I'd love it. If our if our kids ever went to NAU I'd, I'd fully support them up there in Flagstaff because that may that would mean we get to go up yeah, to Flagstaff every flag now staff. and then. But let me just say this right now. I'm not trying to disrespect NAU in any way, shape or form, but ASU has division one talent. They have division one talent that is better than NAU has right now and that should show up immediately and you know where it should show up on the line of
0: scrimmage you look at the line of scrimmage first and foremost Luke that is partially why I think again I'm not sitting here saying they're gonna go 11 and one. Uh, it, it, look they've got they've got issues they got iron out. <laughs> but I think a lot of those issues, are are issues that are going to hit them beyond this season, unfortunately. For this very season right now, you have a team that is constructed in such a way where, yeah, a lot of these guys don't know each other, but a lot of guys on other teams in the Pac-12 don't know each other either. If they were in the SEC, I wouldn't be singing a tune of six or seven wins. Uh, But you have a team that is going to just try and grind out low-scoring, close wins. Three of their first five games are Oklahoma State, Utah, and USC – I'm not expecting much in those three games, but your other two are NAU and Eastern Michigan. You need to come out of these first five at least two and three. If you could somehow steal one of those and come out three and two, that changes everything. But Wolf, the last seven games, Washington, Stanford, Colorado, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, U of A. Yeah. I don't think they're like a lock to win any of those games. Sure. But I don't think they're locked to lose any of those games either. I think it's just a lot of coin flips. They don't play Oregon. And and USC and Utah are right at the start of the conference schedule.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, Luke. But once again, it all starts tonight. It starts tonight. I got to see them play tonight. Control the line of scrimmage, man. And if you don't control the line of scrimmage, what do you think that says? Oh boy!
0: Well, then I'm changing everything I'm, I'm, tomorrow. I'm just you this is why once tomorrow. again
1: tonight. What should be your expectation? Your expectation should be I got our guys are bigger, stronger, and better than your guys on the line of scrimmage first and foremost because that's where it always begins. You have to start there. The, if if the Sun Devils aren't dominating the line of scrimmage, run, okay, <laughs> run. Um, the effort, it's one of the reasons why I'm so fired up about this team. It shouldn't be a problem playing NAU. There's a lot of coaches that would tell you right now, in this scenario, this situation, you're going to get up there in front of your team and you're going to say, I'm telling you right now, you better not take these guys lightly. You better not take them lightly. You better not. That has been the message from Herm Edwards, I guarantee you, all off season. Preparing for this game, the first game. That has been the message. You better not take them lightly. Because if you do, you're going to... But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. The reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because of the lowly state of the program right now. And this being the land of opportunity. Where people came here to get the opportunity to play. I think effort... Guys who want to be here and guys who are going to try super hard. It's one of the reasons why I look forward to this team playing and watching them play. Because I think they could surprise a lot of people because of their
0: desperation. And and the thing, though, that they are going to have to do better than last year. Last year's team was more talented, and they had played together. And, and everyone that was told why. them that.
1: Everyone told
0: them Well, that. so that's why this year, like, you can't just be taking 15-yard penalties after the play. Hey, we stopped them. It's it's 4th and Ah, You know what? I'm going to shove them in the back, and we're going to give them another first down. We're just going to move BYU down the field until they beat us with, with penalties after the play. You can't do that stuff this year. Last year, you had the talent. This year, you have a lot of Unknowns, and you don't have as much talent this year as you did last year. No, and you don't have the cohesiveness that you had from the year before. But if they can play disciplined, and that is a big if, and that is something I'm going to be watching for more tonight than almost anything. If you can eliminate the stupid penalties that plagued this team last year, and if you can play more fundamental football, I think honestly that's the way Herm is more comfortable playing anyway. I think he is is more than happy to play a. Game that is, is fueled by your defense and running the ball a lot with two running backs and maybe throwing to a couple of the tight ends and your quarterback can run a little bit. But if you're going to play lower scoring, tighter games, there can't be these these 15-yard penalties when sure. you held, hold a team and they have to punt. No, You can't no, do that.
1: But that's a collective right there. I'm talking more about the individuals. What else should show? If, if in fact, you start on the line of scrimmage base in audience, the next thing, speed advantage. What kind of speed advantage do the Sun Devils have? Is there a noticeable difference in athleticism out on the field? Because there ought to be. There You're to talking be. about tonight. Tonight? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah.
0: What are you talking about? Well, I'm I'm vacillating between tonight and, and all season. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. No,
1: I am talking about tonight. I'm talking about tonight's game, man. There's got to be a speed advantage. After you look at the line of scrimmage and watch that where Sun Devils should dominate the line of scrimmage, now start looking at the speed and the athleticism overall. When you watch the SEC play, especially the best teams in the SEC, and they play somebody else, no matter how good that other team is outside of the conference, you know what you notice? Oh, my goodness. Look at the speed difference. Everyone out there, especially in the SEC, everyone out there, they're, they're, they're running four fours. At least it seems that way. Obviously, I'm using hyperbole to make a point. Know,
0: how, how fast did Jordan Davis run? And but like 380 right. pounds? I mean, this is what I'm talking about, Luke. You notice
1: the speed difference when you see the best teams in the SEC when they go out and play. And so do the NFL scouts, Bayson They see it. You ought to see it tonight as well. After you start on the line of scrimmage and controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of
0: the ball, it's the speed
1: advantage.
0: Here's Herm talking about the running back room. It looks a lot different this year. The, you know, last year you had Rashad White. You had Trip Chip train him. I know he fumbled a little bit and suddenly became a defensive player at Ohio State now, but you do have Xavier Valaday and Daniel Nagata. Nagata was a, a very highly recruited running back that just was playing behind those two last year. They're going to have to be able to run the football. Here's Herm. Well, I think as we start, you know, it, it, um, we'll, we'll give these guys reps. I mean, that's kind of going in. And, and, and there's another guy that's that there. It's Kevon White. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a freshman last year, but just watching him mature and where he's at right now reminds me a lot of our guy that went down to Tampa. Yeah. He's got the same dimensions. Um, I'm not saying he's him yet, but um, there's a lot of quality that he showed that's very interesting. Well, it would really help if Tevin White was actually Rashad White. That would, that would be a good thing because yeah. Rashad White covered up a lot of uh, mistakes that was that were being made around him last year.
1: You know, and just playing Herm right there, it makes me think of the coaching staff, Basinonians, And when you think of last year, I think of the discipline issue that was on this team. And that is something that Herm has got to embrace. Herm knows this better than anybody else. The lack of discipline on this football team, the penalties, the turnovers, the mental errors, they were egregious. Herm has got to do this. He's got to take the responsibility. The entire coaching staff has got to do this as well. Discipline. That's what I'm looking for tonight. Outside of the line of scrimmage and the speed difference that ASU should have on the field. I'm looking at the discipline because that was the issue
0: last year. That's the biggest thing to me. I hear what you're saying. You should have a huge advantage with speed and and really athleticism against NAU, but big picture for this season, they need to find a different way to win games. They're not going to win on talent alone this year. They have to be fundamentally better, and they have to play with discipline. Uh, All right, we'll get more into ASU throughout the show, certainly. But uh, text us your thoughts of the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Chandler Jones gone, Cardinals season starting in about a week. So who is going to step up as their leading pass rusher? There's a lot of questions there. We'll try to answer some of them next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Marcus Golden, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Sets up, gets hit by Golden, the ball is coughed up, Golden picks it up.
1: You can hear him chirping the entire practice, and if he sees somebody that's not bringing the same intensity to a to let them know. Playing with a bunch of dogs, man, a bunch of tough guys that just love football. I'm looking forward to bringing that dog mentality back. Guys flying around making plays. His nickname is Junk. It's Junk Her Dog, I guess. Woo! Mark is gone and he's back! I feel
0: good! Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. Nah. Uh, Yeah, I think we'll all feel good when Marcus Golden is back, Wolf. I think that's where this conversation has to start. If you're talking about how do you replace Chandler Jones, you're not doing it with one guy. And you're trying to do it a lot of different ways. And as you've brought up multiple times, Vance Joseph is going to be maybe the main guy with how he schemes things up. But (laughs) it sure would be nice to have Marcus. It was just good to hear Marcus Golden right there.
1: Yeah, that's my dog, Luke. Seriously, I love Marcus Holden as a man, as a football player. I can tell you right now, he goes about his business, I think, the way that he should. I was a little disappointed. If in fact, if in fact this is a Holden, if in fact this has been a Holden the whole time, I understand. Um, at the same time, I would say to Marcus, and I'd say this in a conversation to his face because I love the guy. If he ever asked me, if he ever cared about it, I would tell him, Hey, listen, you signed a contract. Honor the contract. That that is, um, I know that's old school, Baysohnians. I know that it is. I get that, but it is what it is, as Bill Belichick once said. Well, that is, <laughs> it is what it
0: is. Is impossible to argue with, just philosophically. It is. It is what it is. Uh, I tend to agree with you. You sign the contract. You need to honor it. But man, Marcus Golden has outperformed his contract. And as you always say, this is a mercenary league. He is not getting paid equivalent to what he did last year and what they need him to do this year.
1: Yeah, listen, uh, there are guys right now that are approached by organizations where they want them to take a pay cut. I understand that. The organization can do the exact same thing. But, see, as a man, I'm not an organization based on earnings. I am not. I am one. I am a man, period. An individual. And because of that, I'm just saying my old school mentality would never allow me to sign a contract and renege on that contract. Now, I I get it. Organizations, they come back. Hey, listen, you know what, Luke? You've been uh you've been okay, but we're gonna ask you for a pay cut. You Is say that this all right? to me every
0: day before the show, and I feel like it's unnecessary.
1: <laughs> you know, so I understand it. It's a two way street right there, but there are certain organizations in the NFL who still they they refuse to renegotiate. They refuse to do it. Uh the Pittsburgh Steelers come to mind as a matter of fact. Isn't that right, Antonio Brown? Isn't that right, Love Bell? <laughs> Think about the players they've let walk out of there.
0: Yeah. And that was Antonio Brown before, I guess it was right, as he was starting to get a little out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Antonio, there was a long time in Antonio Brown's career where he just quietly was one of the best receivers yes. in the NFL, and that's Without what the Steelers got. Uh, so, look, Marcus Golden's obviously a big part of this. He doesn't necessarily, uh, he's, he can't be all of it. This is Dennis Gardeck yesterday talking about the pass rushers Arizona does have. Uh, it's next man up. We got a roll. Um, so so get everybody on board. We, it's the, the Arizona Cardinals outside linebacker room. So there's a standard. Um, the young guys understand what that standard is, and now it's time to go out. See, well, if I, I can get on board with this, it just, <laughs> it needs to work. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: that's so good. Luke. I can get on board, Man, with, get on board with this, but it needs to work. Yeah, that's that's um, all I'm asking. Okay, okay so you're not going to get it on board if it doesn't.
0: Well, work. Well, I'm going right? to get on board you first. Okay, <laughs> but I'm going to get back off board okay, if, like, four great. weeks in they have one sack and we're like, maybe you should have replaced Chandler Jones. But I can get on board <laughs> with the mentality of, all right, you know, let's roll through some of these. Took a couple guys in the third round, and J. Sanders and Cameron Thomas, and you have Dennis Gardeck and you Victor Dimukagi seems to be evolving and stop right no. there oh stop on victor
1: i gotta know right now <laughs> i just went a little meatloaf oh wow. uh, stop right there on victor dimu we should have a wheel of pass rushers uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this guy right here what what victor can i talk to you for a minute what what exactly are you becoming that's what i want to know this guy, here we go, everybody. Hey, it's America's favorite game show right here. Name the Edge Guy. <laughs> the Wheel of Edge Rushers? The, the Wheel of Edge Rushers in the National Football League. And it comes up, Victor Dimukeji. What what is going on here? Could the Arizona Cardinals have possibly found gold? in the sixth round of 2021. I don't know what the answer is right now, but there are some dudes who are talking about Victor DiMuchegi. I'm talking about guys inside the locker I got room.
0: Dennis Gardek right here talking about him. Oh, right here, okay. Oh, I was
1: talking about offensive linemen, but go. Oh,
0: well, okay. Uh, this is specifically where he has seen DiMuchegi improve. Play speed. Um, he's... he's He's a guy that I kind of noticed early on. Like, this guy's going to be a dude. Um, He took his offseason incredibly serious. Um, He did some boxing with me, but that was after all all the work he had already put in. But um, he's got a cool story, man. I'm excited to watch him, uh, again, be able to cash out all that hard work he's put in. Um, Really proud to be
1: in the linebacker room with him. What is good, guard deck? I mean, I love it. You know, with Dennis Gardeck, um, this is one of my favorite guys on the team as well. It's, uh, you you it's, just know. It should be obvious to everybody. Um, but it just, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I do relate to an awful lot of what he has been through right now. Um, he continues to beat the odds. This is a guy I think is going to have a 10, 12 year career in the National Football League from Sioux Falls, everybody. Yeah. Not a lot of guys making it in the NFL, playing in the NFL from Sioux Falls. I'm just saying, this guy, what he says, I, I love the fact that he, he will even compliment somebody else that is also a guy that is flying under the radar. Dennis Gardeck flies under the radar, and so does Victor DiMuchegi.
0: The last time I interviewed Dennis Gardeck, he quoted you back to me on this show. I I think it was Wolf actually that came up to me um, and and said like, when I was a rookie what got you here is all you need. Like They know who you are. What you did is what got you here. And that was kind of like, hey, I don't need to be an NFL player. I don't need to be anything other than what I am. And that kind of just settles you down. You're you're not pretending to be something. You can just go out there, play, be who you are. And I, I think that mindset uh, it, it it kind of frees something and allows you to play better and, and more your more natural
1: style it Frees you, man. That's what it does, because you're not thinking of some standard that is in your head. Just go out and be you and do it to 100 percent. That is that is the beauty of it, man. And this is why this is why I'm interested in Victor D. Mukherjee because I think he's built kind of like Dennis Gardak. I think he's built like like the junkyard dog, Marcus Golden. I think he's built
0: like that. We've come full circle. And they, that's why I can't wait to see how he plays. This is, by the way, another one of the many examples for why Maloney is the best. I didn't tell her to play that. Yeah. Right as I finished setting it up, she just played it. She just had it queued up from nine months ago. Yes. Yeah. Don't let that. it go to your head. <laughs> All right.
1: Amazing what out. listening to the show does. <laughs>
0: At least one of you is. Uh, all right. <laughs> After blowing out the Phillies for two games, the Diamondbacks got a taste of their own medicine. We're going to react to that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right. Well, fun times. We're going to catch up with... Uh, the D backs at some point, and they did last night in the form of an 18 to 2 loss, Wolf.
1: <sighs> okay, that did bring me down a
0: little bit because yesterday I was sky high. Yeah, no, you, we had to play a disclaimer for you like every five seconds. Honestly. That game last night was a disclaimer for the rest of the season, I feel like. Like it just, it leveled me out. I a wouldn't bit.
1: say disclaimer, I would say reminder. It's a good reminder.
0: So. You know, we've been talking about the fact that Tory Lavello, and it's a good problem to have, but it is something you have to navigate the right way, and it's not going to be easy every night. He's got a lot of young players that they want to see here in the final month of the season, and that means they can't all play every night. So last night, he went ahead, and he stuck with Jake McCarthy because McCarthy's hitting everything, and McCarthy promptly hit another home run last night. So McCarthy, I'm going to go ahead and say good decision to keep him in there. But, uh, Stone Garrett puts him in a couple hits. Stone Garrett is, uh, hitting 407 in his major <laughs> league career.
1: <laughs> Stone is
0: just eating
1: up major league pitchers and spitting them out, metaphorically speaking.
0: Uh, but no Corbin Carroll and no Alec Thomas, no Josh Rojas either. But, you know, again, I understand you got to rotate some of these guys, and Rojas has been in a, in a kind of a slump lately. But no, Carroll and no Alec Thomas, and those those are tough pills to swallow if you're a D backs fan for a couple different reasons, I think. And and we can start with Carroll if you want, just because, man, he was generating a lot of buzz, and I'm assuming he'll be out there next game. But he only played two games. That's tough. That 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 takes some. Commitment to your decision to sit Corbin Carroll after just two games. I was just going to say that, Luke. Was anyone else
1: shocked <laughs> that Corbin Carroll was not in the lineup? Was anyone else shocked? Oh, my goodness. I mean, all right, um, I I understand you've got Bailey Falter on the mound. He's a softball. He's a left-hander. I, I get it. Okay, maybe you didn't want that. But it doesn't seem like Corbin Carroll is a guy that was going to wither because he's facing a left-hander maybe out there on the hill or all of a sudden a guy that uh, couldn't go out and compete. I-, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I do know this base in audience. They know. They know why Corbin Carroll did not play last night. They know why. Um, I don't, but they have a reason. No, oh, they had to. Uh, correct.
0: He, Lavello is so detail oriented with this stuff. Like he's, he's just, he, he's, and I know sometimes the criticism is maybe he's, he's overthinking it. Do you really want to sit Corbin Carroll? I know, look, I think you're not going to play him every game the rest of the season. Obviously that wouldn't make a lot of sense. I think from a marketing perspective though, boy, he generated a lot of buzz this week and he had five RBI in his first two games. That one would be tough to go to him and be like, okay, you're sitting tonight. You know what I mean? Now, let's be clear. He wasn't going to drive in 16 last night. They could have played Babe Ruth in his prime. They probably weren't beating the Phillies. Babe Ruth have a prime? Mm. I think it was from the very beginning. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other one, though, the, the one that kind of confused me, Wolf, was Alec Thomas, who doesn't hit lefties great. He was always prime. But but, but he... Um, he Alec Thomas has been kind of up and down with the hitting lately, and he just had four hits the night before. As a manager, it would be yeah. tough. It would almost be tougher for me to go to Alec Thomas and be like, "Yeah, you're hitting. You were on a four game hitless streak, or I guess three games. You didn't really play much on uh, the previous night. You go four for five, and we're going to sit you the next night." That's the one to me that actually made less sense. Yeah,
1: you know, I just, I, I they seem like a package deal to me, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas. I, I maybe it's because I'm foreshadowing right now. I'm way out over my skis on this one. I really am, man. Because I, I, I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to see Corbin Carroll down in the minors again. The, okay, did I say that out loud? There, no disclaimer say, that time either. I didn't even hear a disclaimer. <laughs> did I say that live on the air? I just honestly, I. I, I can't believe they sat him down after the first two games that he played. Right in the middle, the very first game he played, he hits the winning runs. He knocks him in. He hits the winning Arby. What, what am I trying to say, my drove goodness? In the winning run. He drove in the winning runs. I, I I think
0: you were trying to say Corbin Carroll's going straight to the Hall of Fame, if no, I don't interrupt no. you. Okay.
1: I'm not saying that. It is like, you know what, this guy, there's something there. I was talking about Robert Jordan, a great fantasy author, and the Wheel of Time, and he calls it Taverin. Taverin, there are certain individuals where the life threads wrap around those individuals, right, because they are Taverin and they are anchors. And you look at Corbin Carroll, there's something to this kid who weighs 165 pounds and knocks the ball around like it was a tiddly wink. I, there there's something here to this kid and the combination of Alec Thomas as well and Corbin Carroll not being in the lineup man you, you could feel the energy drain
0: yeah it wasn't could as you? exciting even even before they gave up 18 runs it wasn't as exciting would you say Robert Jordan he does he does fantasy football previews no that is that, no, doesn't right for he's a fantasy author oh, okay, okay the wheel of time Google it. Is that like the wheel of uh, pass rushers? <laughs> I no, it is. It is not that. I, I would read that book for sure. But
1: it just honestly, um, I I don't know. Why would you sit down, Alec Thomas, after he he had four hits? Uh, well, I do think he, he's part been of kind it, of struggling.
0: He has. I mean, if you look at if you look at Alec Thomas game log, uh, and we talked to him last week, right? And he was he was talking about. He said flat out, Alec Thomas said. I'm working on getting better to readjusting to major league pitching as they adjust to me. He said yes. that flat out to us. and He right. said it more succinctly than the way I just said it. But, you know, he, he got into the league and was hitting everything. And then they adjusted to him and he was struggling. And then late last week, actually, ironically, when he was talking to us, he went two for four. He went three for four. and He went one for four. That was to wrap up last week. Since then, he didn't have a hit. He didn't have a hit since August 24th. Until Tuesday night, when he went four for five, his first ever four hit game. He's the one watching that game last night. where I was like, I, I know he struggles against lefties, and I know you're trying to manage his confidence. And I know the other part is you got a lot of these guys you got to get in there. Who are you sitting for these guys? Are you going to sit Stone Garrett again? You're not going to sit. You're not going to sit Jake McCarthy the way he's hitting. There's only so many outfield spots. You can, you can sit Varsho? I mean, yeah. and these guys are going to get sat now because Carroll and Alec Thomas are going to come back into the lineup, I'm sure. Yeah, it's
1: it's almost like, okay, I can understand it. Alec Thomas, of course, he's played an awful lot. Um, he did go through uh, this slump, a valley, of course, and now all of a sudden he may be coming out of it. He got these these four hits, of course, and maybe you want to sit him down right now so he sits on that. He sits on that, and that gives him a little bit of confidence going forward from this point. I, I don't know. They know what it is. They know why they did what they did. That much, I will promise you. I just I don't know if I understand
0: it. Well, it, it certainly makes it easy for the people that think you shouldn't be sitting Corbin Carroll ever for them to point and say, look, you sat him and you lost 18 to 2. Counter argument I would have to naturally make is again, Corbin Carroll's not driving in sixteen runs in one game. They were losing that game last night no matter what, but you are a hundred percent right. The the vibe wasn't the same from the start of the it game. It wasn't. The previous two games are like this we've got something exciting that the rest of Major League Baseball doesn't totally know about yet. Last night it was like, all right, it's late August and we're probably not gonna make the playoffs and the Phillies need this game. That's that's what the game felt like. I, I
1: want to see as many games as we possibly can where speedball takes over. I want to see as many games as we can, and maybe that's why they sat down, Alec Thomas. Maybe that's it for him. Maybe this is it's going to be to the wall the rest of the way here in September. Maybe that's what it's going to be. Corbin Carroll, how many at-bats can he possibly get? That's the biggest reason why I was surprised. Last night, it's all about the at-bats, right? This is what he's, he's got to see, Major League Pitching. He's got to see it over. I'd want to get him every at-bat I possibly could. And I realize you've got other guys on the team. um Maybe he could go ahead and move other pieces around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Corbin Carroll, I'm gonna leave him out there somewhere, either left field or right field.
0: Yeah, I mean if he's gonna hit the way he has hit so far, I would I would certainly be of the mindset and I'm not a major league manager, but I would be of the mindset of you're gonna stay in there until you stop hitting. And the other guys can rotate around you. But,
1: Especially if I'm going to sit down Alec Thomas in center field, maybe that would be a great time to actually move Corbin uh, Carroll to center field and take a little look at him there.
0: The flip side, though, is how do you go to Stone Garrett and say, I mean, you can't sit him ever. He's hitting 407. I know. <laughs> It's a good problem to have. Stone, here's
1: a first baseman's glove. <laughs> Can you get over there, please? Yeah, we're going to need some infielders at some point. And, and as I say that, of course, I know Christian Walker, I'm talking about in the future,
0: we, down the road. We're going to see D-backs for four more at home here starting a series with the Brewers tonight. So you talk about facing Major League Pitching. I'm assuming Cormac Carroll plays at least three of these four games, maybe four. And in that four-game series, you're facing Brandon Woodruff tonight and Corbin Burns on Saturday, and those are two of the best pitchers in the National League. So uh, it'll it'll get interesting again here, I would assume, as soon as tonight. I'm guessing he's going to be back in the lineup. When we come back, how regular season-ready is Zavin Collins, and where is the second-year linebacker's confidence? We're going to ask 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander in the lowdown. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.